You're listening to the Selling Energy Podcast, turbocharging the success of sales professionals around the world. Here's your host, Wall Street Journal bestselling author and award-winning sales trainer, Mark Jewell. The three R's of informed selling. When you approach an organization with a proposed efficiency project, you have to be prepared to knock out the competition. You're competing with not only other energy solutions providers, but also non-efficiency related projects that the organization might choose to fund instead. Here's a three-step process that will help you succeed. Number one, read. I'm always shocked at how few people subscribe to the trade journals and newsletters that cover their target customers' industries. If you're selling to supermarkets, you need to know everything that's going on in the grocery industry. What are the latest trends? What types of investments are they making? What new technologies are grocery stores using? Keep yourself in the loop by reading the industry news that you can better predict what your prospects are likely to care about. Number two, research. In order to know how your products and services will benefit your prospect's organization, you need to find out everything you can about how that particular organization is structured and what they value. Maybe you'll discover that they frequently donate to charity, perhaps to publicize their commitment to the community. If so, you could emphasize the positive environmental impact of your efficiency project and suggest that you showcase that in a post-project press release. Number three, reframe. Industry and prospect-specific insights allow you to reframe your offering to resonate with the values and needs you've identified. So what are the most important things to talk about? What should you avoid discussing altogether? Write down any relevant information that you gather in the first two stages and come up with an informed sales strategy using that information. The Question Trilogy It's crucial to learn what your prospect needs from you before he or she is willing to buy. One of the best ways to discover this information is by asking what I call the Question Trilogy. Question number one, how many efficiency projects have been proposed here in the last X years? I've heard it said that there would be no music without silence between the notes. When you ask questions that require careful thought before answering, just zip it. Don't utter another word. Put your pencil to your notepad so that your prospect knows that this is no time to make up stories because you're going to be writing down whatever answer you hear. Assuming your prospect responds that he or she had entertained proposals in the past, move on to question number two. How many of those projects have been approved? Again, give your prospect time to think. After you hear the answer, move on to question three. What was it about those projects that made you willing to approve them? Now, this is the golden question that will provide you insight into your prospect's values and decision-making processes. Now, the earlier in the conversation you ask these questions, the better. You might learn that you have no chance of closing a sale because the prospect is already loyal to another vendor. In this case, you just pack up and move on to a different prospect. Or you might learn that they only work with vendors who can provide a certain service that they value. If you're able to provide them with the service, it should be front and center in your presentation going forward. Listen to what your prospect has to say. Take note of it and tailor your presentation to resonate with the answers you hear. Reframing cost savings. What do you do when your prospect fails to see the value of your product or service? Reframe it in a way that captures attention. Now there are many ways to do this and some situations require a very creative approach to selling. Here's a scenario courtesy of one of our recent efficiency sales professional graduates and the creative solution we came up with to help him capture the attention of his prospect in a new and different way. Mike, not his real name, was trying to sell an LED lighting retrofit to the owner of a couple dozen Southern California gas stations. 
He told me when this prospect was out of the country, difficult to communicate with, and even more difficult to read. He was also somewhat elusive, which had already delayed lighting upgrades at these stations for many months. Mike knew the owner's favorite diner, which he was in the habit of visiting every Monday morning. This meant that there was at least one way to catch this character in person. Mike now needed to figure out how to get the owner's attention and convince him that this lighting retrofit, which happened to have a net present value of $53,000 or so, deserved an immediate approval and a notice to proceed. Here's what we came up with. Mike would walk into that diner one Monday morning with a $53,000 unsigned check made payable to the gas station owner. He would ask to join him for coffee, and after a few minutes of casual conversation, remove the check from his pocket and slowly slide it across the table. A check for $53,000? What's this for? The gas station owner would inevitably ask. Mike would simply reply, it's the net present value you'll enjoy by signing this purchase order and incentive application, the details of which I've already approved with the utility. Now, Mike's prospect might not say yes immediately. However, I'd be surprised if this little stunt didn't get him thinking a lot more seriously about giving the long-awaited approval for this upgrade. The moral of the story, sometimes it pays to get visual. Sometimes it pays to understand what will really grab someone's attention. Sometimes you need to express the urgency in a new and different way. And to do that, it helps to be creative. Setting limits and framing comparisons. Most buyers like to have choices, and they get personal satisfaction knowing that they made the right choice. That said, be careful not to overwhelm your prospects with too many options. The perceived risk of making the wrong decision may become a roadblock to making any decision at all. Now, here are two strategies that will simplify the decision-making process for your prospects and maximize your sales. Number one, set limits. If your company offers a wide variety of products or services, avoid offering the entire list to every prospect. Rather, customize your proposals based on what you think each prospect will be most likely to prefer. Consider removing some of the available options or assembling them into groups so that you can offer a choice of package A, package B, and package C. Number two, offer comparisons. People often like to feel as if they are getting the best value for the best price. If you offer several choices at different price levels and the highest priced option is only slightly more expensive and offers the best value, your customer will almost invariably ignore the lower priced options and select the most expensive one. They may have never considered buying the highest price option if the lower priced inferior options had not been available for comparison. Realizing that most people don't actually make decisions, they make comparisons, True sales professionals arrange the selection of potential offerings in ways that maximize the probability that their prospects will make the right choice. And while we're on this topic, by the way, which do you think encourages prospects to select higher first cost, premium efficiency alternatives? Framing your proposal in the context of good, better, best, or best, better, good? As you might have guessed, given the manner in which I posed this question, simply rephrasing your alternatives as best, better, good could actually enhance the chances of selling higher dollar solutions. Try it for yourself the next time you're proposing a continuum of measures and see what happens. F-E-A-R, fear, funny emotion around risk. Fear can prevent us from pursuing what we really want in life. It can prevent us from starting our own businesses, making those cold calls to hot prospects, or asking referrals even though we know in our hearts that we really deserve them. The good news is that there are plenty of examples in our culture where overcoming a fear of failure has yielded great rewards. We hear stories all the time about how successful people have experienced the most failure. 
how the greatest inventors of all time had the largest or most frequent flops. When's the last time you heard about a truly great dream materializing without someone taking a few well-calculated risks along the way? Here are a few tips for conquering the fears that may be standing between you and high performance. First, have a plan. You'll be more confident and more likely to succeed if you have a carefully conceived plan. If you're thinking about making the leap to running your own business, make sure you have a solid business plan that's well vetted by people who aren't afraid to give you tough love feedback on its merits. Before you pick up the phone to call the big fish, make sure you've run through what you'll say and that you've planned your responses to questions or objections they may have. Before you ask for a referral, take the time to plan the best opportunity for doing so. A previous installment of our blog listed no less than six situations that are ideal times to ask for a referral. Feel free to check out our blog archive online if you're scratching your head right now wondering what those six situations might be. Secondly, visualize success. Taking the time to visualize a successful outcome is imperative. In fact, if you can't visualize success, you need to take a step back and ask yourself why. The first person you need to convince is yourself. We teach our efficiency sales professionals to visualize all five senses of a successful outcome, what it will look like, feel like, sound like, taste like, and even smell like. A richly visualized outcome can fool your brain into thinking that the positive outcome has already happened. Did you ever close your eyes and visualize biting into a lemon, only to find your mouth salivating as if you had already done so? As powerful as it is, the human brain often has difficulty distinguishing between what is real and what is imagined. And that's actually a good thing when you're visualizing successful outcomes. Finally, remember that your action will not determine the rest of your life. Woody Allen, the famous comedian, used to have such performance anxiety that before he'd walk out on stage to do his stand-up act, he'd close his eyes and repeat to himself, nothing I do today will influence my career in any way. A mentor of mine once told me that if you just do the right thing all the time, sooner or later you'll do it at the right time, at which point you'll finally enjoy the success you deserve. Another mentor of mine once highlighted the difference between distress and eustress, E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S, a term coined by endocrinologist Hans Seil to describe good stress. Too much stress can lead to a suboptimal outcome. However, a little anxiety can actually empower higher performance. I actually keep a small metal plaque on my desk that says, what would you attempt to do if you knew you could not fail? Can you imagine how much happier and more impactful you would be if you adopted this attitude in your own life? Just do it. You'll wonder why you didn't start living by this motto years ago. 